Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Laura Collins, Daily Mail, did you pay to spy on the Trump campaign? When are you going to comment on the spying allegations, Hillary? Did you pay for to have him spied on? Oh, that's just precious. Reporter catching Hillary Clinton entering a building? Did you pay to have Donald Trump spied on? It's... Oh! It's all I could ask for. Somebody to ask questions. Questions that matter. Because it... The question of whether or not it's legal was what William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, brought up. Maybe there was something done within the law there. But is there a question as to whether or not something happened involving spying? No. No, 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 no. This is what happened. This is what's happening. Not only did did we get this from the the filing from John Durham, the special counsel, looking into uh, the the origins of, of the Russian investigation. Not only do 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 we have uh, th- this investigation going on, but we have what clearly is one of the ugliest moments we can think of: spying on a citizen and spying on the president of the United States. And what is most stunning about this is that we still have people who are like, eh, whatevs, this this is not something that that you whatevs on. This is something that should make you sick. It should make you sick that spying took place. It's un-American. Why would you just simply sit back and be cool with it? You want to know what politics does to the soul? No, no, it's not politics. It's not politics. You know, uh, just just turning your, your politics into your religion does to the soul. The absence of religion. This is it. It just, it, it destroys you. It ruins you. You know, Christopher Hitchens talked about uh, religion makes good people do bad things. That was, that was his argument. He wrote, God is not great. And it's, it's, it's a... It's a fascinating concept. I've always said of, of of Hitch, I don't know if he's right, but he ain't wrong. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Let me ask the question. If Hillary was spying on, on Trump, if you're one of the people who's okay with it, can you explain to me why? I want to hear the leftist argument. The the non Tony argument. What what is what is the argument that the spying would have been okay? I understand that we need uh, you know we need more here, right? We need more uh, information. We we need more information from Durham. We need an investigation. You need to get more uh, out, out of this. You want to know more to the story? Just conceptually, since we see so many media not reporting on this story. You okay if Hillary Clinton or the Democratic Party was spying on the sitting president of the United States? Are, are you? If that's acceptable to you, I want to understand how you get there. I want to. I want to see how this goes. Eight three three four six eight eight six six nine. I really do have a. There's a crap ton of story today. It's nuts. 
and there's conversations like this that are that are absolutely uh, making making the show. But if we're talking about kids in school yeah. and they don't have and look, I've tried to get I have little kids. I've tried to get high quality masks for them. It's tough. They come. They don't fit. They fit one. They don't fit the other. Does it make sense to reconsider it while you don't have those high quality masks available for younger kids or, or why not? Mm-hmm. I think what CDC has said is that is that you should be wearing a mask that's the best mask possible. So we know cloth masks are better than no masks. Surgical masks are better than cloth masks. So whatever mask is available and fits well for kids should be used. We've got school districts all across America getting rid of masks. And here is the White House and their people saying, keep wearing a mask. This was not just a guy. This is Dr. Tom Inglesby. I had never heard of Tom, Dr. Tom Inglesby. Maybe I have before. Maybe I've used his name before. It's just not a top of mind name. He's a director at John Hopkins Center for Health Security. Oh, that's a small job. Still pushing this idea of masks. Look what people's politics have done to them. Look at how it absolutely rips people apart and tears apart their soul. I'm going to get into that uh, as well. But let's take a look at Ukraine. And are we going to see a war? The answer is not yet. Not yet we don't see a war. But have we seen Russians coming off of the border? The answer is no. We haven't seen that. What we have seen is the Russians saying that. There's a difference between the Russians saying it and it actually happening. There's a difference between the Russians making the claim that we're pulling uh, troops off the border and then actually seeing it happen. Because we haven't seen it happen. As someone commented to me yesterday as I'm reaching out to people, what's the latest, what do you know, what do you think? Um... As they said to me in a very, very uh, uh, text that I can't share fully uh, because of the language, you know we've got satellites. We could see this blank. <laughs> if, it, if they were withdrawing troops, we'd see it right there, but we don't see it. We don't see it at all. But they keep talking about it. They keep talking about the fact that, that, that they're, they're pulling troops. This is happening again and again. They said it today. They were returning more troops and weapons to bases. As News Nation now puts it, a gesture uh, to ease fears that it's planning to invade Ukraine. But saying it and seeing it are two different things. This brings us to Biden's speech yesterday. And I will tell you that I thought Biden's speech yesterday was very, very strange. Very, very strange. Now, let me let me set the scene for you. Uh, Biden is scheduled to speak yesterday, like 3.30, something like that. And in one of the rarest things we've seen about him, he showed up on time, which he never, ever, ever does. If I say to producer Ari, hey, Biden's going to speak at 2 o'clock, he's like, okay, 3.30, got it. And because he's never on time. He's on time in this one. And he proceeded to deliver an 11-minute address that needs to be looked at in a couple of, uh, through a couple of lenses. First, the address is very much a deterrence-focused address. 
He wants Vladimir Putin to know that if you do this, we're going to do that. There's going to be sanctions here, and we're going to put troops there, and we're going to provide assistance here, we're going to provide training there, we're going to provide intel here, and we're not going to put up with this, and we're going to work with our partners. It was, in many ways, a classic deterrent speech. Put your politics or your thoughts about Biden just to the side. Just let's, let's deal with what got said. That was its purpose. That is part of what happened here, a classic deterrent speech. But the question before us, it's, it's like uh, Malcolm Gladwell's blink. The, the concept that sometimes your gut, your, your, something inside you knows something's wrong, but you're not quite sure what it is. What's wrong here is that it happened yesterday, not a month ago. A month ago, as there was more and more buildup, that would have been the time for the deterrent speech. Yesterday, we were already hearing that, oh, no, no, he's going to withdraw some troops. Oh, no, no, that's when the invasion's supposed to happen. Well, we don't have any proof of this. You're right there at the moment, and this is when you give the speech. It's a weird move. Something about it strikes me. Maybe maybe you're different. But it struck me as this was, this wasn't deterrence. This was desperation. This was also an idea of placing himself politically with the American people. It's that that gets us to the part two and something I want to share. This was part of what Joe Biden said yesterday. Listen. We know and what we're doing about it. Let me be equally clear about what we are not doing. The United States and NATO are not a threat to Russia. Ukraine is not threatening Russia. Neither the U.S. nor NATO have missiles in Ukraine. We do not, do not have plans to put them there as well. We're not targeting the people of Russia. We do not seek to destabilize Russia. To the citizens of Russia, you are not our enemy. And I do not believe you want a bloody, destructive war against Ukraine a country and a people with whom you share such deep ties of family, history, and culture. 77 years ago, our people fought and sacrificed side by side to end the worst war in history. World War II was a war of necessity. But if Russia attacks Ukraine, it would be a war of choice. I gotta, I gotta tell you, that struck me as nothing Biden would say. It struck me as State Department language. I have no proof of this. It's not like I've seen the State Department wanted this put in there. But when in this whole conversation, ask yourself, you're sitting on the bar stool, you're, 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 you're hanging out uh, today at the kitchen table, you're talking with coworkers, ask yourself, ask them. In this entire conversation about Russia and Ukraine, Did anybody think that the Russian people were worried we were going to go to war with them? Did anybody even consider the idea of going to war with Russia? Where is this coming from? Just, it, it, it goes to the idea that the speech had a focus that, well, isn't focused. What, what is this supposed to be about? If it's about letting Russia know that if they do invade, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, well, then why in the world are we having a conversation about, hey, Russian people, we're not coming after you? 
that see it it, it 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 was odd it was off base it was it it didn't it didn't make sense and the other part that didn't make sense the part that is most disturbing of the speech yesterday is the way it got presented we've often discussed the fact that joe biden likes to get angry he he loves to get angry. He loves to play the part of the tough guy. He loves it. He, he adores it. It's, it's who he is. They've actually uh, replaced uh, Hail to the Chief, and they replaced it with this. This is how he walks into a room. Anybody see Corn Pop? I'll kick his ass. Woo! You know you love me by the pool, ladies. Check out the hair on my legs. You dog-faced pony soldier. Let me tell those Ukrainians you better fire that prosecutor or you ain't getting a billion dollars, son of a bitch. Look at me! That's him. That's him. By the way, I was actually strutting in studio while I did that. That's who he is. And we have noticed in a, in a, in a couple of, of, of speeches, in a, in a couple of conversations that, that he has had, he shows this anger. And you can argue that anger is sometimes good and valuable and important. But when he does it, it comes across much differently. He doesn't come across as angry. He comes across as insecure. He comes across as nervous. And that's what I believe he did in this address. He did not come across as somebody exuding the strength and confidence and sure morality of the United States of America. He came across as somebody saying, look, you, you, you better listen to me. Like, like a man who isn't able to make decisions for his own life. It, 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 like, like every uh, drama you've ever seen where you realize that dad finally has to go into the home, like, like that. He did not come across with the strength of an American president engaged in a moral character conversation. No, Paul, oh, 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 before you bring up Trump's name, put that over to the side. We're talking about what happened here. Don't you give me your nonsense comparison garbage. I'm not interested. I'm dissecting what happened here. You want to tell me my dissection is wrong? 833-GOT-TONY. Let's go to work. But he comes across like a, like he comes across as a man who this is so personal to him, so emotional to him that his his words are very thin. They don't carry the strength of the nation. They don't carry the idea that the world is watching. They only carry the idea that he can turn to whomever he turns to and says, did I do good? Did I do good? Yeah, I did. I showed him. I showed him. It was like if, if, if you were to start a fight with somebody and they were to punch you in the face and then walk away and then you stood up and said, yeah, you better not come back. That's how it came across. It could have been the right speech a month ago if he had been more reserved. 
it had this wording in it that I can only figure with State Department wording that I didn't understand whether he was talking to the Russian people or to America that, hey, we're not going to war. He even said in the conversation, we're not sending troops in. Well, how is it a deterrence if you're not sending troops in? We're not going to send troops into Ukraine. We're going to provide assistance. But the whole thing had that veneer of his of his anger, and his anger is this very, very thin, not not thought out anger that shows that it's about his personal emotional state and not about the 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 necessity of a free world having a leader. It was a weird, weird talk that I don't think did any good. Of course, he's now going to be able to use it however things happen, right? See, it's because I said this, because I did this. I'm the guy. He's going to paint it that way, of course. But man, I was not down for that talk. It was it was a month too late and poorly delivered. I'm Tony Katz.